podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. Hey. Beautifully done. Uh, it's Pod Four Two Five, and this week we've got two games to review: Newcastle and Leeds. Uh, and to do that, I have Jesse Boyce. Jesse, hello to you. Hello, Jim. Good to see you. Good to meet you and your double last night at the, uh, <laughs> at the stadium. Yeah. Jesse took a video of me outside the craft beer uh, cabin in Norwood and then some other guy next to us who basically had the same nose as me and that was about it, I think, and short brown hair. Um, but yeah, it, it's weird to get people, two people that good looking in the same venue at the same time, but yeah, sometimes it does happen. Um, ben Long is here. Longy, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. And returning for, well, it feels like it's been absolutely ages. It's brilliant to have back actor and Palace fan, Jim Piddock. Jim, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Jim. Happy to be here. Oh, it's absolutely lovely to have you back. It's just great to have another Jim here as well. So it's a, it's a very rare pod where the Jims yeah. outweigh everyone else. Um, Although right. a, better, a better looking one in this case. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, before we get on to talking about those two games and some other things as well, can I get a drum roll, please, for a random FYP patron? It's Jamie Hinks. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Jamie. You can join our patron like Jamie and get all the rewards that entails, like post-match podcasts, patron-only merchandise, and access to the patron-only Discord club at patreon.com slash FYP podcast. And a reminder that new patrons get 20% off all our line of merchandise, which is available to everybody at podcastmerch.co.uk slash FYP hyphen podcast. So do check that out as well. We'll do a quick bit of admin, guys, if that's okay. I've got two comedy shows coming up that I would love, desperately need, people to come and buy tickets for. One of them's at Brighton, at Brighton Fringe, on Sunday, May the 29th, at 4.15pm, £5 tickets um, at the Caxton Arms, which is run by a Brighton fan. Yes, I know that, but they are very friendly to Palace people. Don't worry. Um, tickets available at brightonfringe.org. And then at the end of July, Friday, July 22nd, I'm at the Oxford Comedy Festival, 7.30pm at the St. James Tavern. Tickets available at Oxford Comedy Festival. .co.uk. If you're local to either of those cities, please do come along. It'd be lovely to see you there. Uh, right. Before we talk about Palace, uh, let's talk about Longy. Things Palace fans are good at, and that is supporting charities because of this week, this Friday, of course, is the first ever home leg of the Robert Eaton Memorial Fund match at the Croydon Arena. You, of course, are player manager have been for a couple of years now. How is the squad shaping up and how are you feeling about having it on home turf for the first time in 20 years? Yes, um, <clears throat> this was obviously planned to do this, uh, having, a, having a leg in Croydon pre-pandemic. Obviously, that 
put that put that on the um, put on the scrap uh, scrap heap. But yeah, it's it's, it's exciting, mate. Uh, a little bit little bit worried that not many people are going to come. So hence why we need to start um, putting it out there this week. Uh, to be fair to the club, they they put it on their website already and they they put it on their socials. I'm going to hopefully get them to do a bit more this week um, because obviously it's predominantly it's a Brighton based charity and they do help out. Um, with some donations to, to local clubs and stuff in, in Croydon and uh, they've actually got they've got a little bit of a link with Croydon FC when Croydon FC got broken into a few years ago Clubhouse got ransacked um, and the rent actually donated some money so they, that's, that's how they sort of formed a bit of a link um, which is obviously enabling us to, to play at Croydon on, on Friday um, but yeah last year was a bit of a washout mate um, post-COVID I was really excited really confident going into the game the week of the game, I lost seven players, including yourself, to COVID or COVID-related issues. Um, and we ended up getting an absolute spanking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little bit sore. I'm not over it yet, mate. And it's like <laughs> nearly a year ago. So, um, as you know, it's sort of from the Palace side of things, it started as a as a group of friends. Like, you, you, your sort of box did sort of mates sort of started it up. Or well, predominantly, it was the squad was made up of you guys. It sort of developed over the years. Um, I played my first game about 10 years ago. Um, then me and you sort of took over the reins together. And then you obviously, you're obviously too busy and too much of a celebrity now, mate. So I've been, I've been running on my own for the last few years. Um, I was the Sammy but, Lee to your big Sam. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take that one, mate. Um, I'll, I'll be, I'm a bit more loyal than big Sam. But, okay, but I, don't, I, don't, I was the Ray Lewington to your Roy Hodgson. Yeah, you don't wear shorts much, though, mate. So I don't, I don't <laughs> I've, got the legs, I've got the legs for you, unfortunately. You're, you're Watford, Ray Lewin. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this, so it, we sort of just run it as meeting up. We don't really, never really had any friendlies or any training sessions together. And it was sort of the core group just developed. A couple of players added each year. But this year, I thought, you know what? Last year was horrendous. I'm going to open it up to Palace fans in general, put it out on Twitter. That I'm going to do a bit of a trial session. Who wants to come? hoping to get a couple of good players. And I was at, I was blown away, mate, by the standard. Um, the squad we've got this year is unbelievably strong, mate. Um, I had to cut a few people out um, just to get the numbers down to a manageable number on, on the on the day. Um, and that was a struggle, cutting cutting some people out. But this, the squad we've got is so strong. I've got um, literally options in all, in all positions. So I'm really excited for this week, um, for the first leg, and, and especially it being at Croydon. So... Okay, so remind us of the yeah loca- location, time, ticket price, and how people can uh, either yeah. I guess to pay on the gate. I guess yeah, it's, it's, it's pay on the gate, mate. Um, so it's this Friday, um, kickoffs at seven forty-five at Croydon FC, um, which I believe is called the Arena. I think there's there's a tram stop right outside um, the Arena on the on the Croydon tram link. Um, it's five pound for adults, two pound for under sixteens. But if you come with an adult, it's, it's for free. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I'm calling on all local people. If they fancy something to do on a Friday evening, hopefully the weather will be nice. Come down, support us. Because um, potentially it might even be the only time we ever do it up our end. We'll, we'll see how it goes. So yeah, it'd be good to come down uh, pre Southampton on Saturday. Come down, bit of football on Friday night. Come and support the lads. Um, and yeah, hopefully we, we, we get a good, a good aggregate score to take down, down to Lansing. 
you got you, that first leg. You got to get a result in that first leg. That's uh, that's how you do it in those competitions. Yeah, and uh, if we can get as many people down as possible, recreate that Celeste atmosphere down at the Croydon Arena, and let's uh, let's help the Renf boys get a win in their first leg. It's a fantastic charity that does brilliant work, as Ben says, here on the South Coast, Croydon, America, Africa. They do a lot of great stuff. It's a it's a wonderful example of the a rivalry breeding something fantastic from from two sets of fans so uh please do get involved and go down and support if you can and you're available to do that uh jim you, you still play a bit don't you uh very rarely now yeah uh, i'm 66 so it's my my best days are behind me actually quite a bit far behind me um but yeah no i, I was playing up until the pandemic and uh, i've played a couple of games since yeah my best days are also behind me, but I am only 37, which is a, yes. which is a, which is a worry, but never mind. Um, Jim, speaking of, of charity, so you have launched a book this week, Caught With My Pants Down. It's your memoirs of being an actor and living in Hollywood and some of the things you've seen and done. And I believe as well that proceeds from that are also going to a Palace for Later charity as well. Yes, yeah, uh, Palace for Life Foundation. <clears throat> That's going to them and to BAFTA's Access for All program in the United States, the British Academy of Film and Television Arts. We have a similar sort of program, but except it's more arts-based. And then um, I was going to keep a little bit of the um, proceeds for myself, but but during the course of doing this sort of book tour and all the interviews, I, I, I kept seeing the news every night about Ukraine and I just felt this is this is uh, too trivial for me to be talking about these silly stories and fun stories and whatever when all this is going on um, although we do need light relief while it's going on but um, I felt like I just wanted to do something more than that so um, so yeah I put uh, the, the remainder is going to a charity for Ukrainian refugees Fantastic. So I make nothing from this book, and I will live to regret it. <laughs> I have to say, I think Palace fans, Ben and I, have seen from Renfrew down the years, and obviously we had the uh, Made in South London campaign from the Palace for Life Foundation launch yesterday, and obviously I've been doing the Marathon March Lem last couple of years. Palace fans are fantastic at supporting charitable events and getting involved, so I'm sure they will do both the same with Renfrew and buying your book as well. A few things caught my eye in the book. Firstly, in the uh, author page, you're there with the famous flag. And I believe, and you might correct me on that, but the first Palace fan to see the flag was? A certain James Daly. When I was James, yeah. Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, very uh, Not long after I'd moved in there, you were the first person to uh, make the pilgrimage and have your picture taken in front of the flag. <laughs> famous uh, flag. In those days, people would say, what is that? Who's Crystal? What is Crystal Palace? So what is that now? And now I walk out the door and people go, Hey, I saw you. Uh, saw you got a draw with Leeds last night. You know, it's like everyone's suddenly aware of Palace uh, in the Hollywood Hills, but also in America of the Premier League. So it's changed a lot in the last decade. You've been a trailblazer for Palace over there, I'm sure. Um, there's some great bits in the book. Kevin pops up, of course, um, <laughs> on a page where he encourages you to say, uh, I mean, an absolutely filthy joke on stage, but uh, yeah, a very funny moment. Yeah, and Kevin's doing that. We got the book launch event on Thursday down at uh, Bookseller Crow uh, Bookshop in Crystal Palace um, on uh, Westo Street, I believe it is the exact address. I can tell you because I it's fifty Westo Street, London SE nineteen. Um, and Kevin's going to interview me uh, seven to nine. Well, he's not going to interview me seven to nine. That would put everyone to sleep. But he's going to interview me for about forty five minutes, and um, and I hope he doesn't bring that up because that was. That is a, a low point in my in my history. It was a palace event. It was a, a comedy event um, for the, for the academy, 
at, at the Fairfield Halls, and I was emceeing it, and I'm not a stand-up. So I just went out and told a couple of goofy stories and got some laughs, and I thought, I got cocky in the interval. <clears throat> I said to Kevin, oh, I've got this really, really filthy joke, but I'm going to adapt it to Millwall to, to be the kind of butt of it. Um, but I've got a clever twist. After, after the end of the joke, which is truly, truly disgusting, it's the most concisely filthy joke I know. I said, at the end, I'm going to go, I'm terribly sorry, I apologise, that was really offensive. I should never have mentioned the word Millwall in a joke, which I thought was at least a, a twist that made it passably okay. And I went out to open the second half of the show, <laughs> and I, I told the joke, and I've never had a reaction like this in my life on stage anywhere. 500 people simultaneously with 500 other people, one half of the, the, the theatre just took this deep intake of breath, like, <gasps> and the other half just exploded with laughter. It was really bizarre. It was like a panto. You half go do this and you half do that. And I, it threw me so much that I forgot the, the, the oh-so-clever punchline. So essentially, I just went out there and told the filthiest joke in the world and then got, got off stage and introduced the others. It was really... It was a sad moment in my in my performing history. I have a similar thing at gigs where half the audience don't laugh and half the audience sit there in silence. It's 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 very it's very annoying, but it does it does happen. Palace a palace of course crop up in the book many times. Um, yeah, obviously talking about the supporters trust in '99, which you were obviously heavily involved with. The bit that stood out to me, and this is I think this is news to any Palace fan listening. Billy Connolly's London team, obviously big Celtic fan, was Crystal Palace. Yeah. Yeah, he's the, um, he, he and his brother, apparently, I think, when they first moved to London, he, he loved uh, the name. He said, it's so exotic. I had to go there. It's so exotic. And so he, uh, he used to come down and watch Palace games. I, I actually have a program from that era with him and Jim Cannon being photographed together because they're obviously both from Glasgow. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he's, he sort of does follow. I mean, obviously his team's Celtic. Almost every time that Palace win, I get a text saying uh, from Billy saying, "Great, we did, we did, we did well," or you know, "We were robbed," or whatever. <laughs> that's fantastic! Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. I had absolutely no idea, but that's that's great. And and obviously, I mean, you, I mean, we've come such a long way since 1999, and you're involved in the Supporters Trust. And uh, I mean, that was a sort of seminal season for me. I can remember sort of supporting Palace, and that's the season I moved to the uh, Block B of the Homesdale, uh, which I'm obviously too old to be in now. Um, but that was a big moment for you, and obviously you were heavily involved in that as well. So uh, we've come a long way from those from those. Years, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a great time in terms of unifying the club. I mean, it really was after the first kind of administration, uh, and, and you know, Steve Copper was instrumental in that, and the trust was 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 wonderful. It was a great experience. I, I was doing a show, writing and producing a show for the BBC at the time, and and the involvement in the trust was far more rewarding. It was far more um, enjoyable. Um, it, yeah, it was a terrific time. I mean, there's a chapter in the book called Kissing 8,000 Arses, which is based on my um, uh, speech that I had to do uh, in the middle of the stadium, um, middle of the pitch, during a Man City, home to Man City game, and they had 8,000 fans there, and I had to somehow shut them up. <laughs> so the story is basically how I managed to do that. Um, by 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 kissing eight thousand asses, which in ten seconds. What you did get... is you came out. You told the filthiest joke you know. <laughs> oh, I should have done that. The punchline about United. Uh, then everyone everyone left the stadium. <laughs> yeah, no, I couldn't do that. The kids there. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, it's um, it was shameless what I did. 
Well, listen, it's a great book. Please do buy a copy, um, Caught With My Pants Down and Other Tales From My Life in Hollywood by Jim Piddock. Proceeds, of course, going to Palace for Life and uh, other ch- well-worthy charities as Yeah, well. and if you're free on Thursday night, come on down. It's I think it's close to sold out, but we can always squeeze more people in, I've been told. So Brilliant. come on down and it'll be a fun fun night. There'll be a lot of uh, showbiz people, a lot of Palace people. Um uh, I think I think you'll have a good time. So and Kevin. So um that's Kevin. Thursday night sorted, Friday night sorted down at Remph, and then Saturday we're all down in Southampton. You, the weekend is sorted, guys. It's all done. Are in the diary. Brilliant. Well, thank you both for um for talking about those things. And I know that Palace fans will support because that is what they do. Um after the break, we're gonna come back and talk about those games against Newcastle and Leeds. This week's episode of the FYP podcast is sponsored by Harry's. Now, we've had a fair few close shaves down the years at Palace, Stockport 2001, Hillsborough 2010, of course, but none of them are as close as the shave you get with Harry's. Thanks to their five-blade cartridge that's crafted in Germany, you'll never want to go back to using anyone else for your shave. I haven't. I don't really trust anyone else when it comes to the closeness and comfort levels that I get with Harry's. And I've been using them for well over a year now when I wet shave. And they are offering FYP listeners a trial set for free. All you have to do is cover this £3.95 for delivery. In that trial set is an expertly engineered weighted handle. That five-blade cartridge crafted by artisans in their German factory, complete with precision trimmer. A handy foaming shave gel for effective lubrication. A travel blade cover for life's adventures, like trying to get to Newcastle and back on a Wednesday night, for example. And an extra little gift that proves that Harry's are way more than a super sharp razor company. They're here to revamp your whole routine. Because included in the set is a free travel size shower gel. I'm actually using the shower gel right now. Well, not literally right now. I mean, I'm recording an advert. But in my shower, it sits pride of place and it smells great. From close shaves and flake-free hair all the way to clear, healthy skin, Harry's helps guys feel good. Harry's shower gels, face wash, and skincare products can be added to shave plans anytime, anywhere. Cleaning and exfoliating before you shave increases the chances of cleaner results, and their products are formulated with zero sulfates, parabens, or dyes, and are alcohol-free. No nasties involved whatsoever, which is not what you could say about Leeds on Monday night. So... Make sure to support the FYP podcast and give your own shower shave a go by redeeming a free Harry's trial set. All you cover is the £3.95 for delivery. Just head to harrys.com slash FYP. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com slash FYP to have your set delivered and start a shave plan. Your freebie will be added at checkout. That's harrys.com slash FYP. Welcome back to the Party Plan Podcast. <laughs> Beautifully done. Uh, it's pod, uh, what is it, pod 425, my word. Um, and we do actually, unfortunately, have to review some Palace games now. Now, often, Longy, what happens here when we've got two games in one week is everyone's forgotten about the first game and all the questions about game two, which is exactly what's happened this week. But of course, we did play Newcastle last Wednesday, that game after the semi-final. What I'm going to do now for people on our public feed 
because I'm going to drop in a clip from the post-match podcast that Adam and I did um, after the Newcastle game. So this is normally only available for our patrons. If you like the sound of this and you want to hear this every week, uh, sign up to our patron at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash F-Y-P podcast. And I'm going to make our Newcastle chat now in this episode available to our patrons only. So if you want to hear that as well, do get over to our patron, patreon.com forward slash F-Y-P podcast. Leicester game, lack of tempo, like the Leicester game, not enough forward passes. It's all very well being a possession-based team. We play backwards far too much and far too often. And the last half an hour when we played forwards, we started to create some opportunities and had Newcastle on the back foot. But you can't just play 30 minutes of these games, JD. It's the Premier League. This isn't what it's about. And I know you know, everybody feels sort of quite euphoric about the season. And there have been many pleasing aspects, but you have to say overall, it's been a little bit overhyped. You know, we're just so passive for the first hour of the game. Everything's backwards and in front of the opposition. Didn't create really too many chances. I think Edward had one little sniff that was a bit weak side foot. It was at the other end to us. We were on the... Uh, seventh level of the stand in the uh it's like the old sky sports tactic cam thing with all the little dots running around the pitch That's sensible uh, soccer yeah yes it's um so but the changes that patrick vieira made made a difference but ultimately you know the quality failed us connor gallagher had a very disappointing game again as he did at leicester and came off and that's a sort of worry or a pointer for me that if he's not doing well, perhaps we're not doing well. Tonight, I think you're right. It, it copied the sort of mould of a lot of games this season where we had a slow start, but we, we did very well second half. And we again, we're not too far away. And that's the frustrating thing. We haven't really been sort of turned over much. And I think, I think you're right. Second half, we probably did do enough to get back into it. The problem is we didn't, apart from the Wilf chance that he dragged past the post, which he really should have probably scored because Dubravka was, was, was rooted to the spot hit the target there and it's a goal it's one or apart from that there wasn't really any clear cut chances although at one point I think we had something like 89% possession or something as uh, one period in the second half so they were doing their best but they just couldn't turn it into clear cut chances That was Newcastle. Uh, moving on I do think Jesse was a case of um, in both games not quite getting it over the line and maybe not quite getting what they actually deserve for their efforts. I thought in the beginning of the game, yes, last night, that hangover was likely to continue, but it was good to see us shake that off a little bit. I felt like we grew into the game. It turned into a bit of a ding-dong, which I quite enjoyed. And uh, I think Billy Connolly would have enjoyed the exotic football by Joel Ward. He was uh, often referred to by people around me as Wardiola and Wardinho. Um, in the way that he was containing Rafinha, apart from that nutmeg. Definitely uh, one for the future, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> yeah. I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. Yeah, left back of the future. <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, there was a little bit of uh, sort of contentious chat about have we are, we are we really still resorting to a right back at left back at this stage in our Premier League tenure? Um, but Wardy did a great job there. Um, I, I thought it was... Uh, Mateta, I've been a fan of his maverick football. I think he's just such a, an unpredictable player. He's just uh, he's a lucky player as well. But he didn't have much luck last night. 
And I felt that it just occurred to me that some of the chances he had um, would have been put away by Edward. And and then I started to think about what happened to Matessa last year when we were safe and he didn't get a game and how well documented that period is. And I agree with everything Rob Sutherland's got to say about that. It's crazy to me that Matessa didn't get a game when we were safe last year. I hope the same doesn't happen to Edward now. I feel feel like we've got a few games left, one win, and, and then everything we can we can breathe easy. And I'd like to see Edward get some games because he came into the Newcastle starting lineup completely rusty, and, and he's out of the team again. I just think it's probably time that he gets a good little good little chance in the games ahead. Okay, Ashley, Jim, let's get your thoughts on Mateta then. So lots of questions about him and we will come on to the ding-dong aspect of the game uh, in a bit because there's lots of questions about that as well. Mateta obviously had the little purple patch and, and maybe, maybe coming out the other side of it now. But lots of people, they think have pinpointed the moment that Mateta's form has downturned, including Croydon Exile. Hello, Croydon. Has JPM cursed himself after asking the fans to shout boom? as he performs his flag-kicking goal celebration. David Kent agrees. Does Mateta asking the fans to go boom when he scores and kick the corner flag means he won't score again this season. What are your thoughts on Mateta up top? Uh, well, as J- Jean-Philippe Maverick, Mavericketta, I think he should be known as now. <laughs> I like that. He's a maverick. Yeah, he is. Mavericketta. Um, I, I, I wasn't convinced for the longest while about him. Uh, because he looks kind of a little awkward, but he's got a natural uh, ability, you know, to finish, and that we've lacked. Um, the one that he skied last night was a surprise to me because, you know, that's that's normally not what he does. Um, yeah, it, it is odd, isn't it? We've got have oh, got uh, an abundance of choices for that that sole kind of uh, focus up front. Um, and, and Edward's been a bit unlucky, hasn't he, really, um, not getting the chances. But I think he will now. I, I think so. I mean, I can't see why he wouldn't. Um, it's just, you know, uh, unfortunately, he hasn't really taken those chances in the last few games when he's come on or looked particularly sharp. So uh, I understand why, why Patrick's persevered with, with JP because he, he, he has looked quite lively. And it's not even about the goal scoring as well. It, he looks the most of a, the most of a handful up there. I mean, of all of them, he looks a real handful. His physicality and his 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 mobility and his movement. Um, I think he stretches defenses, and and so that that I can see why he's number one choice right now. Um, but but you know, at a certain point, you've got to look to next season and give these guys a game. I mean, the Benteke thing, uh, I. I Bit, bit mysterious, really. I mean, I can see why he came on last night. We and he was a threat, but just for every time that Benteke comes on as a threat, there's another time when he's come on and looked absolutely hopeless. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they'll end up doing this summer, but uh, but he's clearly not the future of the club. So uh, once we're safe, I, I can't see much point in in uh, in playing him. I mean, personally. Yeah, Longy, I mean, um, Vieira does seem to like Mateta. He really, and he has persisted with him. And he he will probably argue that by persisting with him, he's got form and goals out of him. But there are some good options there. Benteke did look good when he came on last night. And as Jesse says, Edward seems to be almost a forgotten man as Celeste's partner. What, where are you on the sort of order of strikers of those three? Um, I feel like they're, 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 all three of them are completely different. And they, can, they all three offer something different to the team. For me, number one at the minute is JP because I, like Jim's 
Jim's spot on. He offers the most to the system and the team that that, that we're putting out at the minute. He stretches the defence. His movement, it worries defenders. He occupies the centre-offs. Um, and he is a natural finisher. I mean, like, like Jim said last night, the one that he sort of skied was quite a surprise because he's really good at that first-time finishing. Um, he scored a couple of goals like that. Yeah. Um, the Benteke thing, he clearly is not the future. Um, he, it's interesting that he come on for 10 minutes last night, had a good 10 minutes. He come on against Stoke, had a good five minutes. And then everyone's clamoring all of a sudden that, oh, Benteke has to start. But when he does start, he doesn't do what JP does. He doesn't stretch the defence. He doesn't occupy centre-offs, yeah. which is massive to how we're trying to play. Because when you do that as a striker, you create space for Wilf, Eze, Elise. If Benteke is too static, he, he just wants to be hit with a long ball and then we can play off him. But we're, that's not how we play anymore. So he's sort of, he, he's going to get 10-minute cameos because we're, we're trying to win the game. So then we, we've got the option of going long and then we can play off him. But as a starting striker, it, it, it's it's not for me and it's not the way that obviously Vieira wants to play. Edward is sort of caught between the transition of the team. He had the purple patch where he was scoring goals. Then JP's got his chance and took it and he's added the dimension to the team and the way we're playing. So Edward sort of, he's sort of become a victim of that really. Um, there's no doubt he's a massive player still and he, he's still young and, he, and I feel like he's got a lot to offer going forward. Um, I'd like to see him start on on Saturday, Edward. I'd like I'd like to see a bit of rotation between JP and Edward between now and in the season because they're the two strikers that you'd like to think are going to be around next year for us. Um, I could I could see Benteke leaving the club and, and us potentially getting someone else in to add to the squad. Maybe Enkete on a free transfer. Um, that's been talked about a lot, but for me the, the the order is JP. He's got the shirt at the minute. He deserves it. Um, yeah, I, it, I, I smiled when he asked the fans to to shout boom when he scored because I thought, oh, as he as he jinxed it. But I, I do back him to, to get to get a couple goals between now and end of the season. But also Edward, I think he'll he'll get a couple as well. That moment when he scores, the boom is going to be big. Um, let's move on, Jesse, to the ding dong. Although, although, as you said it earlier, I'm sort of wondering. This is one for football cliches. When does a when does a match become a ding dong? When does it go from a scrap to a ding dong? I'm sure there's some sort of uh, paradigms there. Um, lots of questions about this. Uh, Nathan, Nathan Seller or Keller. Hello, Nathan. Hope I got that right. Ling should have had at least one card. Rodrigo avoided a card for kicking Wardy in the face. Was laughable. Um, Leeds came with tactics, didn't they, Jesse? Clear tactics to disrupt Palace playing. I mean, I know it feeds into the dirty Leeds um, cliche, unfortunately. The point was obviously bigger for them than it was for us. But did it did it spill over? Was it too much? Yeah, I couldn't believe how um, relaxed the referee was being. He just, um, Ailing was rotational fouling by himself. It was like, <laughs> it's his turn to foul. And he took it every opportunity. And I somehow managed to evade any discipline. Um, and I think it did spill over in, in the second half. And I remember turning to my friend next to me and said, this is what happens when you don't, just call the shots when the referee doesn't clamp down on it first half. That's what happens. You, you invite that. Um, and I was right by the corner flag where I sit by where the tunnel is. And the linesman was really yapping in the ear of Elise and Eze taking corners second half and just standing really close. They just, but the referees really enjoyed being there last night, I think. Um, it just, but to the sort of detriment of the quality and the flow of the game. 
don't think they were disciplined nearly enough. Um, I didn't honestly didn't realise Phillips was playing uh, until the second half because I just feel like he was probably sitting back um, in the first half. But then he started to. I know he's been he's been spouting off about Zaha, hasn't he? Mm. Um, saying that he's been diving, and then he was also um, being a little bit. Um, so he was riling our fans as he left the pitch as well. He was sort of clapping sarcastically at, uh, at us as he walked down the tunnel. So, um, yeah, I think you might have a few more things to add to that, Jim. Yeah, it's, a, it's one of those things that I think when your team get, it, it, it's backs to the wall, you probably kind of like that kind of shithousery, but it's very annoying when it happens against you and annoying when it is um, effective. Jim, let me read those Calvin Phillips quotes to you because they're, they're absolutely, they're, they're weird. They're really weird. Um, talking about Wilf... I mean, this is literally another professional to another professional. Phillips is quoted as saying, he's a good player, but we defended well against him as a team. The ref complained at us for fouling him, but I think he dives a lot, to be honest with you. There's normally a bit of a sort of footballer's code against this kind of thing, isn't it? It's shocking to hear someone come out and sort of say that. That's disgraceful, really, isn't it? It's ridiculous. I mean, Wolf was kicked from, you know, arsehole to breakfast yesterday. It was insane. And you couldn't, you, you never tell who's done it because they, there's so many Leeds players with stupid haircuts. You know, <laughs> they should all get slapped for that stupid ponytail thing that they do, whatever it is. Um, anyway, that's my, my rant. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it, it was a game that, that, that uh, as Jesse said, I mean, it, it got out of control needlessly. It, 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 if you played at any level, you know the minute a referee uh, has lost control, is when someone doesn't get a foul called against them, and then the next thing they do is they get booked because they take the law into their own hands. And that yeah. happens to two of our players. Uh, three, actually. No, two. Two. I think there's only two. But And also, when you see Joel Ward go for someone, you know there's a problem because this is not Joel Ward. I've, I've never seen in 10 years. I've never seen that. Um, it, it was... And it was needless because I, I don't, you know, the dirty leads thing, I think that ended, a, you know, a few years ago, really. They're not, and certainly under Bielsa, they weren't particularly dirty. Uh, but last night it was like, I think, I think um, someone, Jamie Carragher, I think said that it, it was like watching Bremner and Giles and that lot, you know, Norman Hunter kicking the crap out of people. And it was, it was ugly and it didn't need to be because I, I think it was totally the referee who let that happen. Um, but yeah. that, that those remarks are, are ridiculous. They're just the joke. But then you know, look at look at his hair. Why would you take him seriously? <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I, was it kicked from asshole to breakfast? That's beautiful. Yeah. I've never heard from that. Asshole to breakfast time. Yeah, that's, that's the next. That's the next book, Jim. That's the I next think, book title. I think I ripped that off from Harold Pinter, but I don't care. He's dead. <laughs> well, I, I think I'm, I'm going to rip it off. I think I'm going to use it as the title for this week's podcast because that is uh, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, Ben, obviously, we've had questions about the referee, Darren England. Spoon Bill McHumpty, one of our regular listeners. Uh, is Darren England the worst top flight ref around? Um, the Cafe E Pitufo account, which they they tweeted us recently. It's a guy that drinks coffee and eats Pitufos. Apparently, it's little Spanish sandwiches. Sounds lovely. Um, is it just plain that Palace? Is it just plain Palace bias, or are we really seeing very poor refereeing against us most weeks? I'm not normally Longy, someone that tries to sort of buy into the sort of slagging off refs most week. It is a hard job and it players are always trying to get one up over each other and over the refs. But I think we can all be unified as Palace fans in accepting that that was a particularly poor performance last night. And as Jim says, contributed to a dirty game from Leeds. Yeah, he, he had no control over the game whatsoever. And 
I think he did the Newcastle game at Selhurst this season as well down in England. He was absolutely shocking that day. Mm-hmm. Um, touching on referees, the the guy we had at Newcastle, horrendous. Absolutely no control over the game, but he, I think that was his second Premier League game. I feel like Darren England, is this his first season in the Prem? I think it is. I think he's one of the new refs. But I think this season, we've seen the standard refereeing has been absolutely poor. I mean, I mean, every single fan will think that it's against, the refs are against their team. I mean, and, and if your name's Frank Lampard, you, you, you'd be complaining. You'd be complaining every week about the referees. Um but yeah, I think the standard refereeing has been shocking this season. Darren England was was absolutely awful. He had no control over the game. The I knew it was coming. I knew I knew we were going to get the first yellow card after I think it was three challenges on Wilf in a row were all worthy of a yellow card. Um, and not one yellow card dished out. As soon as Anderson went to ground, it was a yellow card. But yeah, he, he, he just asking for trouble because the, the crowd's up. The crowd's up. They they they're berating him. Leeds think, oh, we can carry on this. We can carry on this rotational fouling because the ref's not getting a grip of it. Until the ref gets a grip of it, that's the only time it stops. Obviously, Dan James is one. He flew in recklessly. Luckily, you could see it coming. Everyone in Seller could see it coming. So he, he, he's lucky that Wardy saw it coming because otherwise he could have he really hurt Ward um, and it could have been a, a red card. But yeah, he had no control, and it, it sort of led to what what we saw. Um, I've had a few messages this morning from fans of other clubs telling me how much they enjoyed the game last night. It was a proper throwback. So some people still still do enjoy uh, tetchy games like that. But ultimately, it was down to the ref to get a grip, but he didn't, um, which which is why it sort of went the way it did. It, it was good to see Wilf keeping his head relatively. Yeah. Um, games gone by, Wilf would have totally lost it ended up getting booked at least himself, maybe worse. Um, so I think, I think it's, I've, finally we've seen a bit of maturity in Will. I think probably since, since the red card against Tottenham, I think maybe Vieira has said, look, mate, you need to get grip yourself. You're nearly 30. Um, but he, he handled it really well last night and I thought he was a constant threat, Will. Um, but Calvin Phillips, I'm really disappointed to wake up this morning to see them comments. I really like him as a player. Like really backed him. He's one of the players who, Sort of like a Wilf in a way where he's sort of like he is leads through and through like Wilf is Palace through and through. Yeah. But yeah, you can't come out and say them sort of things like against a fellow professional. Um, they can talk about it in the dressing room about certain players. Oh, let's get into him because he does this, that and the other. But you can't be coming out and, and, and saying things like that. Really disappointed by that. And then I did see the the, the clapping thing, Jesse. Um, I'm in block C and I could see, well, I thought he was clapping the fans to say, oh, well done, good atmosphere. I didn't realise he was being sarcastic. Um, he had a he had a horrible little grin on his face. Oh, I'm about that. Yeah, but he, he, I think I don't know who it was. There was another player that he was that was getting some grief in front of him, and I think he was just kind of clapping sarcastically that that grief that that player was getting. But it, it was a bit odd. He looked like he was steaming. He couldn't wait to. Uh, he, he looked like he'd won the game. Well, at least they'd got away with a well won yeah, point. It was a, it was a big point for them. It really was a big yeah. point for them last night. It's a bit hard to tell when it's sarcastic or not. I got booked once for sarcasm <laughs> in a game. I, I, I clapped the referee for a terrible decision. He said, that's sarcastic. And I said, no, it's ironic. And he booked me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're oh, in trouble when, you, when you're arguing semantics with the referee. You know. <laughs> By the way, just as a counterpoint, I, I, I do want to say, I, credit where credit's due, the referee, was it Anthony Gardner for the Chelsea game in the semi, semi-final? Was it Anthony Taylor. Andy Taylor. Andy Taylor. Andy Taylor. Yeah, it was superb. It was a superb refereeing performance. And I think, you know, they should get credit when the credit's due. 
Yeah, he was he, really a terrific piece of refereeing. But we one nobody's of the, talking. One of the better refs. Yeah. Um, so I think you know, the, but yeah, you're right. It's been it's been very hit and miss. Sometimes I thought, oh, that's pretty well refereed. In mean, that Liverpool game, when Jota got that penalty against Gaeta, was a total joke. When the referee got it right, then questioned, yeah, yeah. set double guessed himself, went to the monitor, and then made the wrong decision based on advice from the VAR. I mean that that's where it drives me insane. Is you know, you've got a good referee who makes a ridiculous decision by second guessing himself. Yeah. It sets the tone. It does set the tone for them, sort of undermining themselves a little bit. And it's not been a good weekend, actually. If you look at the Merseyside derby as well, really for referees, sort mm. of oh, in big yeah. games at all. Unfortunately, they've yeah, uh, yeah. they've not had a good weekend. Go back to um, Darren England. Darren England's been left off the appointments for the weekend as well. By the way, so. oh, has he? Very interesting. Yeah, so that that tells you a lot. But like you say, Longy, it was definitely a, th- a throwback in terms of the ding dong we keep talking about. But I also thought it was a throwback in the way that Wilf plays. If it, just the way that he received the ball last night, he just opened his body up just inside the box and Eze kept finding him. And he had three or four shots on target, one he spooned over, but it just, it, Selhurst under lights and Zaha receiving the ball like that as we were piling on the pressure was a bit of a throwback. And I was pleased to see him yeah. um, with a bit between his teeth there. It's all psychological with Wilf. At the beginning, it looked like he was going to have one of his stroppy games. He got pissed off and started going at people. And then it was a turning point of, I think it was in the second half. He he had a 50-50 clash, and I think he caught one of the Leeds players slightly late, yeah. and he helped him up and apologised. Yeah, and, and I want. I, I thought, oh, there we go. That's a different direction because normally you reach reach that crossroads with Wilford. He goes in the wrong direction, but he he corrected yeah. himself, and thereafter played very very well. Yeah, I know. He sort of held his hand out to the player, didn't he? To sort of yeah, say, and, and apologised. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and that's a big difference. And, and it, 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 you can tell. You can tell. Usually in the first five minutes, you can tell by his body language. I, I think the Spurs away game, I, I turned to my infinitely better half, Annie, and said, Wilf's going to have a nightmare. Because I could tell his body language in the first few minutes. He just didn't look happy. Yeah. And when he's happy, he, he's unplayable. Yeah. And came close last night. You know, the, the, yeah, the one that, that hit the defender and looped up over the keeper and the keeper was beaten. And we, we all thought that was in. And yeah. that wasn't far from full time. And then I think we would have probably got what we deserved from that. Um, but yes, it's good to see. It is good to see Wilf enjoying his football. And I and I wonder how much of that is the Vieira effect, actually, because um, there was that goal against Norwich early in the season where there'd been rumours they weren't getting on so well. And he goes over and gives Vieira a big hug. And I think there were some quotes from Vieira this week about sort of working with Wilf and their relationship. So clearly that is in a good place, which which is great. Because as you say, when Wilf's happy we get the best out of him it was just frustrating last night that it wasn't quite enough but we move on to saints at the weekend so before we do that though we've got questions from our listeners so quick break and we'll come back after this my brother-in-law died suddenly And now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. 
Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Five Plan Podcast. Whee! 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 Oh, quite harmonious. That's, that's, you guys can come on again. That's beautiful. Um, it's question time where we ask questions from our listeners. Um, in fact, actually, I'm going to... Do you know what? I, I nearly always hold off questions about summer transfer windows, but we're getting there, Jim, so I'm going to go in. It's not too bad. And we were talking about Wilf uh, last week, last uh, part. So here's a question when we get them every, every, every year about Wilf. But here's a question from Michael Phillips. Who would you be, be most nervous about losing in the summer? I feel as though for the first time in years, the answer is not as straightforward as Zaha. Yes, there may well be eyes on other areas of the squad. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's true. I, I think we're not so reliant now on our talisman, as it were. I think probably, and, and I don't mean this as any disrespect to Wilf, I think that probably most Palace fans would be more uh, frightened of losing Michael Olise because he is clearly the future of the club um, and he's 10 years younger than Wilf. 
So um, I, I think it would be detrimental to lose Wilf in the summer if we were to. I think I hope he ends his career at Palace. I think it would be wonderful to see someone who, apart from a little small hi- hiatus or sabbatical at Man United, has spent his entire career at one club. I think it would be a, just as much of a testament as winning silverware with with uh, playing on the being on the bench at a big six club. I think that will probably be more of a legacy for him. Um, and I think he, you know, if we if we really kick on between now and the end of the season, um, I can't believe I said kick on, such a cliche. If we if we do well between now and the end of the season, I, I think you know there is a chance we could get into Europe next year. I mean, that's, oh God, why did I say that? Why did I say that? Sorry, um, but but you know, it, it's like he's going to be playing every game every week if he wants to, and that's not going to happen if he moves to a, a club. Even, you know, not even in the top six, if he went to Leicester, say, or to, to Everton, well, Everton, maybe in the championship. But, you know, a club of that ilk that, that would be serious about him. Um, I, I just don't see, I think it's almost like that ship has sailed. I hope, I hope he can come to some agreement. Yeah, I, I say it's more of a gap year at United, wasn't it? It was a gap year before. A gap year, yes. It's serious it was. studies. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, Michael, our listener, Jesse, is quite right, actually. Most summers we are talking about Wilf leaving, and that is the name that's linked. And and, and this might be the first summer the link. Maybe, uh, Wilf maybe isn't linked anywhere, because he will have the likes of, of Elise and, and possibly Gehi as well. Um, Eze, possibly, although I guess I think the injury has set him back a little bit. There'll be question marks about Gallagher, whether we can try and get him back. There, there's other names in the mix, isn't there? But it, it probably is going to be quite a, quite an interesting summer for Palace in terms of ins and hopefully no outs. Yeah, I think there's important work to do. Just we've got to build on what we've done this year and you've got to give Vieira just more ammunition. I think we're still playing a right back at left back when we when our first choice is out. And there's still doubts that Mitchell could become um, the first choice left back, which he's obviously... Um, extinguished. So there's something to do there. If, if Teo is given the, the chance to step in there, I'm not sure because maybe last night wasn't the right game for him, but going forward, he'll probably get a couple of games now. You would have thought once we're safe, um, officially safe. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about Wilf because we've always got Edward that he likes to play on, on that side as well. So there is enough to go around in wide positions, but um, Elise is obviously the heir apparent in terms of golden boy that we all look to to, to kind of get us out of our sticky um, match and then we've obviously got the ageing issue in midfield I thought MacArthur was brilliant last night um, yeah. it's, it's when he plays 90 minutes it's quite a significant thing I'm, I think last night when I saw the starting lineup, I couldn't remember the last time Maka and Gallagher had started a game together that must have been the first half of the season surely mm. um, or maybe won one game since, um, but he's clearly not going to be able to to start. He'll be he's a great squad player. And we should keep him playing as long as we can, but we need to do something there. I'm not sure if Hughes is going to step into those shoes as as well as we would like. There's work to do. I think even with uh, even with the goalkeeper, I don't know if Butland would be a successor to Gaeta. I think Vieira did really well to kind of give him his to be faithful to him in the cup, and he did really well. But I think there's there's reinforcements required um, across across the squad, and that you'd hope to see some business done relatively early because Vieira, his first day at work last year was the first day of preseason training. He had loads of players to um, tie up. Klein wasn't on a contract at that point, 
So I, I hope that they get some business done early and he can really come back pre-season with, with a good-looking squad ready to go. He's going to be disruptive as well going to Singapore and Australia. So he's, he's, he could do without too many late-night phone calls to agents from the other side of the world. Yeah, last time we had a sort of a summer trip to uh, the Far East, um, we then had our worst start to a top-flight campaign ever. So hopefully it won't. I'm sure it won't follow us. Um, Longy, speaking of midfield, now someone that I thought had quite a good game last night in midfield, in central midfield and has clearly been tried there a bit more often recently is Ebre Eze. Obviously come out off a long-term injury and we are starting to see more recently sparks of what he was like in his first season. But I've got a few questions from listeners saying the exact opposite. So I want to put them to you now. Brad says, anyone else worried by Eze's performance as he's been back? Seems to lack the confidence to do things he was great at when he got here. Jonathan Walton, controversial, but I think Eze, but has Eze played well for Palace in front of crowds since his injury, in brackets. And Thompson, 83, why do we keep playing Eze in a deeper central role? Surely he's more effective playing in an advanced wide position. Does Pat want him to be the new Connor next season? Have to admit, Longy, I, I, I disagree with those questions. I thought Eze looked good last night. Vieira clearly does see him as one of those attacking number eights in the middle. Um, and if you can get the best out of him, he could be very effective there. Uh, absolutely, mate. I listened to the post-match pod that he did last night. I listened on the way home from work. And I was quite surprised to hear the other guys on there sort of say that he didn't play well. And you were the only one that was like, no, no, I thought he played well. I, I totally agree. There was glimpses um, when he absolutely skinned um, was it Ailing. I think he skinned him on the touchline. Actually yeah. just glided past him. Um, but then literally straight away, he, he, he gave away a sloppy pass. So, He's still coming back from a really, really bad injury. Like, it's probably up there with an ACL doing what what he did. Like, they're the two worst injuries you can get in football. Um, and people need, can't forget that. It, this season, I didn't even think we'd see him much, really, at all. Um, so the fact that he came back as quick as he did was surprising. Um, but we've got to be patient with him. Next season is his big season. It's his breakout season. I, I've got no doubt about that. He's an exceptional player. Um, we are lucky to have him. Um, I agree with where Vieira is trying to play him. I've, I agree. He's, that's where he's best. That's where he's going to affect games because um, he can get the ball and he can carry the ball and then he can use the ball. There was a couple of through balls he played which were absolute perfection. Um, and this is still why, why he's still rusty and he's still, he still is getting back to match fitness, not just physical fitness, but match fitness. And, I think next season we're going to see Eberichi as a he, he he's going to be unbelievable. He is going to be unbelievable. Um, the excitement level for next season is is, is up there, mate. It really is. Um, talking about transfers and, and things like that, what we're going to be hoping to do. I'm a little bit worried with the whole ownership structure, where that's going to go with the the, the two guys that want to buy into Chelsea, because that's clearly going to affect. Uh, moving forward, what, what sort of investment we're going to have um, in the summer? I don't think we need major work. I think we're clearly going down the, the the route of our model is buying young players who are going to be superstars like Michael Elise. We've got to enjoy him while he's here because he is going to the very top. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we, we're probably not going to have a Wilf situation where we get to keep Wilf for, for his best years. Michael Olise is the real deal. He'll be here probably next season, probably, and that, and that's it. And then he's going to go, he's going to go like superstar level, world, like worldwide. That's how good he is. Um, 
But it'd be nice for this summer that we can get to keep Michael Ebbs. Um, Mark Gay. Mark Gay is unbelievable. Um, it, it would be nice to keep those guys together. We do need to get some uh, a midfielder in because like Maka is getting an, he, he is aging. Um, midfield is for me is the key in the summer. Kleine's got he deserves a new deal. He's got we've got to give Kleine another deal. We've got Nathan Ferguson hopefully come back. Um, but yeah, Ebbs last night, mate. Ebbs showed in glimpses. He's still got it. He's still going to have it. There was a couple of sloppy passes, but yeah, I think that's harsh saying that he, he didn't play well. And I, I want to see Ebbs play every game for the rest of the season. I, I really do. Look looking towards next season, I want him to play. Him and Gallagher can play in the same team. I said it all season. I said I can't wait for them to be in the same team. They can play because Gallagher literally gets around the pitch and covers areas where, where he needs to. Um, the Gallagher thing, that's another thing. That's another conversation that we can't really have yeah. because of what's going on at Chelsea. Um, nothing can be talked about. I've, I've not given up the, the chances of him coming, being back at Palace next year, whether that's a, a deal that can be done or a loan. I don't see him starting every week for Chelsea. I really don't. Um, and, and then uh, where does that sit with him? Like, there's a World Cup on the horizon. If he's sitting on the bench, he's not going to the World Cup. So, and World Cup's only in four years. So, it's, it's, it's a really slight, it's a sliding doors moment for Conor Gallagher, I think. Um, but we'll see. But yeah, back on Ebbs. Ebbs. Ebbs was decent last night. I feel like let's get him every game for the rest of the season. And in, in, next season is a big year, mate. Uh, Jim, are you a fan of Eze? Because I do like him in that in the midfield because I think he offers something slightly different that the others don't. You, you've got um, yeah. uh, MacArthur's industriousness. You've got Gallagher's energy. Kiate when he plays, obviously brilliant breaking up play. But in terms of that guile on the ball in in, in an attacking central midfield position, I think Eze yeah. is the only one that really offers that. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of his, huge fan, uh, not just as a footballer, but he's one of the nicest yeah. players I've ever met in my life. Um, he's just a quality human being. Um, I, I, I think people forget that actually last season, he, he took a while to get up to the speed of the Premier League. He really did. And, and he had a couple of exceptional goals that we remember, um, where he kind of took against, both against Sheffield United, I think. And, and, he kind of really took a while and he had a few bad games last year. Um, genuinely bad. I thought last night was average. It was, it was, you know, he, 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 he contributed. Yeah. Uh, and, and as Ben said, he gave the ball away a couple of times. Um, did he play any better or worse than Schlup or, you know, I mean, when he came on, not really. Uh, so I, I hope that next season, I think that, that, that is absolutely spot on next season is make or break. Um, the question is for the palace hierarchy is, he, if we have Elise and Zaha, um, something of a luxury, you know, um, because do we need more robust midfield players that, like, I mean, Gallagher, I don't see the comparison particularly between Gallagher and Eze. They're, very, to me, quite different players. Um, but, uh, you know, Gallagher kind of is a more complete player, to be honest, at this point, even though he doesn't have the silky skills. He can score goals, he tackles, and he covers every blade of grass. Here's a hypothetical for, for everyone here, if you haven't been asked it before. If, if you had uh, the opportunity to get Gallagher on a, a, a full transfer to come to us, but you had to lose Eze, would you do it? Whoa. Oh, that's Sophie's choice. That's a no, it's total Sophie's choice. Yeah, I've been that's... asked that before, and, um, and I actually, my gut had an instinct, and it was odd because my brain said one thing, but my gut immediately said something else. What did your gut say? 
My gut said, yeah, I'd do it. Wow. I'd do it. Um, I mean, I, I, I think that we've got more SA-type players in the squad and, and in the pipeline with Rexaki and others. We don't have many Gallagher's. Yeah. And I yeah. think, you know, yeah. whether they're the same value, I'm not, it doesn't matter. But let, that was, that's the Sophie's choice. If, oh. if, for example, Chelsea said, yeah, we, you can have him, but we have to have Gallagher. Would you, would you make that deal? Oh, there'll be people screaming at their phones right now, screaming at their phones mm. on the way to work. Um, well, I, I, I may get a lot of abuse, and, I, and as I say, I'm, I'm his biggest fan. As a, but, but, but I think Gallagher has been literally instrumental in our success this season. He's been our best player. He really has. Yeah, it's, I think Gallagher actually is almost irreplaceable. Actually, in terms of everything he offers, as you say, a complete player. Um, I love. I, I wish I had Ben's optimism that he'll be here next season, and, and I would probably would do anything to get him actually anyway do either of you want to answer that question or is that, is that too much to stomach on a tuesday afternoon well i would choose him between your two favorite kids isn't it <laughs> yes absolutely it's to- complete yeah. sophie's choice, choice but that's what that's what's the fun about it I, I would just look back to the fa cup semi-final lineup that was all dictated by gallagher not being available i think yeah. i think Vieira didn't know quite what to do so he did something completely out of the box a because he'd lost to chelsea twice and thought, I'm going to try and surprise Tuchel, but at the same time, surprise everybody, including our own players. But it all came stemmed back from, he can't find anyone else to slot into Gallagher's role. And that, that changed. I think it was successful for the first 50, 60 minutes, but he didn't quite know what to do next. I think that tells you everything about his value to us. And I think the under, I, I, being pragmatic about that question, you'd have to factor in Eze's injury. The fact that that is setting back, and I, I would probably do do it. I'd probably trade Gallagher for Eze, but use his injury as the uh, sort of practical reason why. The underlying the excuse. Reason. The excuse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just yeah. so I could sleep at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh my word. Okay. Well, do you know what? We're gonna, I think we're going to leave it on that. So something to chew over in the break for our listeners, uh, and it will be a big summer. It will be very big some this this uh, this year, so we'll see what happens. But anyway, after the break, we'll come back and we'll preview that trip to Southampton at uh, the weekend. Back to the Five Your Plan podcast. Hey. Oh, no. Beautiful. Uh, Saints yeah. away on Saturday. Um, a rare Saturday 3 p.m. game. I forgot what those feel like. Um, here's a question, Longy, from Mark P. Hello, Mark P. Benteke did more in 10 minutes than JPM and Eddie have in the past two games. Starting against Saints with Elise and Wilf. This will probably be the big dilemma for Vieira at the weekend, won't it? I don't think it's the dilemma, mate. Like I said earlier, Benteke has a good 10 minutes. Like he had a good five minutes against Stoke and people will clamour for him to play. Um, I've, had, I've had a text from one of my pals today saying that he, Benteke should start, but I, I just don't agree. I just don't think, like I said earlier, he doesn't offer the threat to the defence um, what JP does, but like I said earlier as well, I, I, I want to see um, Edward starting on Saturday. So for me, that's that's where I'd be going. I don't think 
Vieira's so cool. I don't think he does dilemmas, mate. I think he's, <laughs> he's quite he's quite collected in, in 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 what he needs to do, and I think he knows exactly what he's going to do, mate. So unfortunately, I think Ben Tech is for a choice at the minute, mate. And I don't think I can't see it starting. I'll be surprised if he start if he starts, but I can't see it. He doesn't know the meaning of the word dilemma. Even though I think it's a French nah. word. Well, it sounds French, doesn't it? French Latin, maybe. <laughs> um, Jim, do we, are we expecting any um, changes elsewhere? Because obviously, if Kiate was on the bench last night, Schluppi as well, and they obviously have been playing more. Do we think we might see them come in? Mitchell at left back. I mean, do we think that's a case of Vieira taking him out of the firing line after a couple of tough games or, or managing that injury? There could be a few changes on the card. Yeah, I think, it's in, I think it was injury related. I think, uh, and if he's, if he's fit, I think he'll play. I think he'll start, and, which is really unfair on Joel because he was yeah. brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, and, and I would think Kiate would probably get a look in, yeah, for sure. Um, it'll be an interesting one. Southampton are, oh, talk about a Jekyll and Hyde team. I mean, they're a bit like Brighton and Leicester. You just never know what you're going to get. I mean, I could see us, you know, going down there and, and getting a comfortable win and I could see us getting kind of really battered you know it's it's uh, it's it's a tough one they're, they're a really strange team I, I think we're a better team but we'll see they've had Jesse they've had some funny results they obviously got battered by Chelsea 6-0 a few weeks ago and I watched that and they were absolutely horrendous and completely didn't turn up then of course they followed it up way later by beating Arsenal who themselves were in form um, and then they lost to Burnley 2-0 who obviously were rubbish, but have found a bit of form. As, as uh, Jim says, a, a difficult team to predict, really. And I guess maybe it sort of depends on sort of what day you catch them on. With everything everyone said, I think they've had this really odd season where they've been in the same part of the table all season. Never been in trouble, but never threatened to progress into the top half. They just sat there. It's probably the most boring season ever, to be honest, if you're a Saints fan. But I, I think we can we can get the better of them. I feel like they've uh, had the better of us in some of these games. I think we drew 1-1 there. I mean, last time I was there, Max Mayer had a disallowed goal and could have, could have won that game. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like we owe, owe them a, a bit of a contest. I feel like we can go there and get three points. I just, just haven't done anything, have they, this year? I mean... I don't even, Che Adams, how many goals has he got? Probably not very many. And Armstrong, I don't really know where their threats are coming from. Redmond's been quiet. So I don't really know what they've got to offer. I feel like we can go there and win. Yeah, so if we do win, we do go above them in the table, actually, because they are two points above us in 13th. In fact, and if if Brentford don't win, we could go up to 12th. Um, We have slipped down longy, haven't we? I mean, obviously, a few weeks ago, we were talking about top 10 finish and... um, and really kicking on. We have slipped down a little bit, but I guess now, you know, the, the, we're at the cup. Last four games to go, it's a case of just trying to achieve a high finish as possible. It is quite congested in the middle of the table, actually, in terms of points. So, you know, top half finish mathematically could could be on, but might be difficult. But really now we're just looking for a strong end to the season. It's absolutely the worst when you sort of let the season peter out after, you know, a really bright start to 2022. Yeah, I mean, you look at that that selection, that collection of clubs in the middle of the table. We're all pretty much there or thereabouts. We will have a we'll, we'll win, and then we'll draw, and then we'll lose. We're all, like results are scattered all over. Um, us Saints, Brighton, um, even Brentford have, have come into the sort of mix of us now. Yeah, I think it's, we just got to really take cliche as it is. Take each game as it comes now between now and in the season. Rotate where we need to. 
make sure players um, get the minutes that we, where we can make the changes. Like I think I think you're right. I think Kiyoti probably comes in the weekend, maybe even Schluppy and and Elise. Um, and then sort of have a look at little things for next season. But ultimately, you want to finish the season strong. So you go into the summer optimistic. People are happy. Fans are happy. Players are happy. Um, the the runner fixes we've got quite nice fixes, mate. You know we've got like yeah. I say Saints. They're in and about with us. Um, it'd be nice to relegate Watford <laughs> next week. Not Roy. I, I I'll be gutted for Roy. I really will. Um, but it'd be nice to send him down because I cannot stand him as a club. Um, it'd be nice to send Everton down. Frank Lampard. He he just absolutely one of the most arrogant men in football. Um, It'd be nice to send them down. That's a nice fixture. Um, and then how nice would it be to have a sunny seller last game of the season and beat Man United? That would be lovely, wouldn't it? Um, so, yeah, it's all about finishing strong, um, trying out things, trying out players for, for, for next season, really, mate. You're right, five games. Sorry, it's five games, not four, because I forgot we had the rearranged Everton game in there as well, which actually does give us a game in hand on three teams above us, actually. Saints, uh, Brentford and Brighton. Um, Jim, in fact, all of you, I'm going to end with a question that needs a one-word answer, please. And that question comes from Total Tech Soccer Camps. Hello to you. Um, Pick a final position. I'm going with 12th. Jim? Uh, 12th, yeah. Like it, Jesse? I'm going to try go for 11th. So I think the teams are, um, that we've got to play, we can we can get the better of. So I'll go for 11th. Come on, come on, uh, Longy. You know what to say now. 10th. Yeah, <laughs> top man, top man, absolutely love it. Guys, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you much. Uh, Jim, thanks for coming on and a reminder of the build launch event on Thursday night. Thank you for having me on. It is at Bookseller Crow, uh, 50 Westo Street in Crystal Palace on the hill there. And it is 7 to 9 o'clock. Kevin Day, the infamous Kevin Day, will be interviewing me. Um, and then there will be some questions and answers, or not, if nobody has shows any interest whatsoever. Uh, and then so I'll be signing a bunch of books and um, doing selfies and stuff like that. And then we'll all go out and get roaring drunk. Yeah, that's the kind of book so, event uh, we yeah. want. It'll yeah. be showbiz people, palace people. It'll be my two lives interconnecting, and I'm going to love it. If Fantastic. If you're available on Thursday night, do then come, come down. It'll yeah, be please. It'll be lovely one. to see you and say hello and, um, uh, and talk palace and talk uh, showbiz and gossip and all the people I've trashed in the book. <laughs> what more could you want? Yeah. Um, and Longy, great to have you on as well. Again, remind us of the uh, first leg of the double-legged Renf game this uh, Friday. Yeah, so Friday, um, obviously, after you've been to see Jim's thing on Thursday, get yourself down for a bit of fresh air on Friday night. Croydon FC, 7.45 kickoff, um, £5 for adults, £2 for under-16s or free with if you come with an adult. Um, I can't promise that there'll be many celebrities there, um, but there'll be lots of Palace people, and it's against Brighton, so let's get down, come down, give us as much support as you can. Um, and then we'll go into have a nice weekend down on the coast at Southampton. Fantastic. Good stuff. Do get down there and support the boys if you can. Uh, and Jesse, anything to promote? Uh, I'll, I'll see you on Saturday at Southampton, I guess. Who's going? Uh, uh, yes, yeah. I'll be there. Uh, oh, oh, look yeah. at that. Oh, look at that. Full house. A full house. I'll, 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 I'll get that. 
I don't know if I'll make it on Thursday or Friday, but I will see what I can do. But if I if I don't, good luck, everybody, on everything everything going on. And I'll definitely try and see you on Saturday, if nothing else. Brilliant. Well, a reminder that patrons uh, at patron.com slash FOP podcast will get a post-match pod from Saturday, of course. And we're back next week with the main pod reviewing that game for everybody else. But until then, thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you again very soon. Bye. Bye. Podcast Network.